So like Adam said, my name is David Ivey. I'm a student pastor here at Polaris Christian Church, among other things. Um, I get the honor and privilege in, to pour into our teenagers. I also have the honor and privilege to pour into our young adult group too. Uh, but it's not me, right? Yes, Jesus? <laughs> so, anyways, <laughs> thank you for being at service today. Um, as we continue this Jakob series, we're talking about today relationships uh, and how important building a community uh, with the deep relationships are for us. Um, I am a believer that humans have this thing built in their DNA to want relationships, to want a crew, a group of people to do life with. And then it starts at a young age. It starts when you first walk into your preschool classroom and you see the kid who's playing with the blocks, and instead of pushing them to play with the blocks, you play with them and you found a friend for life. Uh, maybe you were a kid who played a sport and you found your friend group, your crew in that sport world. Maybe you go to college your second day of orientation and you meet a beautiful young lady with curly hair named Jacqueline and you marry her. That's me. Um, you join a band. You, you start a career, you have a neighborhood clam bake, a PTO. You find a group, a community to just do life together. And then we're in Northeast Ohio, and because of that, we each week wear different color clothing to represent the, the groups we support, whether they be orange and brown or scarlet and gray. And you go hang out with a bunch of people with 105,000 people screaming at the top of their lungs, fist bumping and having a good time. OH. Sorry, Penn State. <laughs> it seems that no matter what stage in life we are, there's something that drives us to be a part of a group. We have a desire to just find other people. And that's doesn't stop in the secular world. That's in the faith world as well. God has put it in our hearts, in our bodies, in our DNAs to desire relationships. In fact, that all began way, way back in Genesis chapter 2, verse 18. After God makes the world and, and, and all the things in it makes, it makes man has this moment, the Lord God said, it is not good for man to be alone. I will make him a helper suitable for him. And so God creates woman. Now, I am not about to get into the uh, psychological study and why man needs woman. Uh, that's for another day and another sermon. But you can tell from the start of time, we are not meant to do this life alone. And then you fast forward into Genesis and, and God says, okay, not only are you not meant to do life alone individually, you need a community to be together. In Genesis chapter 17, verse 3, Abram fell face down, and God said to him, As for me, this is my covenant, my promise with you. You will be the father of many nations. No longer will you be called Abram. You will be Abraham. For I have made you a father of many nations. And this moment in time takes Abram, Abraham, and he leaves his family and starts a new community solely based on following God. 
And so God wants a nation. He wants a group of people. He wants a community to follow him, to live life together, to follow the way he wants us to follow. And then you fast forward to the New Testament. Jesus is about to begin his ministry. And one of the first things he does, he brings people together to be with him. In Mark chapter 3, verse 13, Jesus went up to the mountainside, called to him those he wanted, and they came to him. He appointed 12 that they might be with him and they might send him, he might send them out to preach. So Jesus calls this, this 12 together, this group of people, this community to pour into, to start this ministry, and then eventually to send them out together to make an impact that we are still feeling this day. Call it community, friendship, your crew, your peeps, your homies, whatever you want to call it. It just truly is just we desire fellowship fellowship is a churchy word and in churchy word it means you know being friendly associated with one another that have a mutual desire for a mutual experience for a mutual goal the greek word is koinia and koinia's root meaning is common or shared and that's what a community is it's a common shared life with common shared goals the early church understood this really well. At the end of Acts chapter 2, uh, we are told this. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was, lit, was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold their property and possessions to give to one another who had need. Every day, they continued meeting to meet, to, to meet together in the, the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. The early church was all about koinonia. The early church was all about a faith-based community, uh, not just once a week, not just to come to a place and worship and, and, and hear a word, but to go off and do life together. And that is what a community is about. And to me, when we want and desire to have these authentic relationships, these authentic com communities, I, I believe it helps us do many things. I believe it's so needed one of the reasons why it's needed, one of the reasons why it's important is that it helps us build our faith. We are stronger in our faith together. And Christianity is unique because we need each other to take steps. We need to take the first steps that we do on our own. We say yes to Jesus, but we need each other to take steps to figure out how to follow him, how to do life as a Christian. Proverbs 27, 17, which is one of my favorite Proverbs. As iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. And looking back on my life, I can pinpoint many people who've sharpened me to be the man I am today. My own youth pastor growing up, Tim, sharpened me to be the man I am today. The, the, the many conversations I would have with my, my roommate Donnie deep into the night sharpened me to be the man I am today. My relationship with my wife, my, my friendship with many of you 
have sharpened me and continue to sharpen me. We need each other. It's so important. Maybe for you, it's getting on a Tuesday, going to Lizardville, going to donuts and enjoying some coffee on a Saturday. Maybe it's finding that Bible study on a Tuesday night. Maybe it's wing night with SMT, doing a girls' night out event. Maybe it's as simple as sitting around a bonfire and just having a, some, something to drink and, and some food and just hang out. Maybe it's inviting someone to a table to eat, to have some coffee. Start building those relationships. Start finding that fellowship. Start pursuing koinonia. And when we do this, when we find those relations, we start to build that community. It helps our faith walk. One of the things it does for us, it keeps us accountable. We need people in our lives to keep us accountable to the things that we've said yes to, to the, the battles we may be facing with sin. We need people to pull us aside and say, hey, how are things? Are you doing well with this? We need people, even if it's a difficult conversation, to say, hey, you're not meeting the expectations you're setting for yourself. We need people to keep us accountable, and that's the beauty of having authentic relationships and building community is we can find people to put in those positions in our lives. Christian fellowship and friendship is so important because it also helps us build unity. To me, this world is in desperate need of unity. There's too much scattering. There's too much brokenness. We need community. We need unity. Psalms 133 verse 1 says this. How good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. The early church understood that. The early church was united in a common goal, a common cause, and they constantly went back to that unity moment so they can go out and do great things. Now, I guarantee you something. I guarantee you that the early church did not agree on everything. I guarantee you there was a difference of opinion from time to time. I guarantee you there were moments in time where people did not always live in harmonious life, but they were still united it's kind of like a family. And really, a church is meant to be an extended family. A church family is important. And like many families that, or that you personally have, you know that you may have arguments, you may have disagreements, but yet at the end of the day, you are united as a family. You may have a difference of opinion about how someone votes or how someone acts or how someone may be living right now, but you are united as a family. And it is the same thing with Christian fellowship with Christian family. We need to unite. And when we build that unity, we are beneficial for it. Our life is benefited because of it. That's why when you miss a Sunday morning, you are missed. Because we don't have an opportunity to unite with you. When your, your child misses a, a Sunday morning uh, event back there in our children's wing, they are missed because they didn't get a chance to, to be with them and hang out with them and, and grow with them. When your teenager does not make it to SMT on a Wednesday night, they are missed because we are better with them in our lives. 
But it doesn't just happen on a Sunday. Sundays are great. We want you, like, this is the starting point. See, the, the early church lived life together. They made it a, a, a part of who they were to live life outside the realm of a church setting. It's the same with us. We love to see your student be at a part of our SMT events. As, as goofy as capture the flag may be, it helps them grow. Fuse 3-5 is, is amazing to see young ones be a part of something fun and grow together and be united in one thing. A meal, a, a cup of coffee, just getting together to live life builds that Christian friendship. And when we have those authentic Christian relationships, we build a stronger faith. But these relationships have to be something that we are intentionally doing. You have to find ways to build them yourself. You will not be pursued. And it's one of the things in life we understand that. Growing up, my grandmother would always tell me, listen, if you want to be a friend, you have to be friendly. I remember coming home, you know, being a young man, not happy that someone didn't treat me right or not happy I don't have a friend group. And my grandmother would tell me, the only way my grandmother would, well, are you being friendly? My grandmother wasn't a rose-colored glasses grandmother. Uh, she wasn't a, oh, you know, here, you know, everything's great. No, my grandma was very... <laughs> This is how it is, and maybe it's you. Uh, and I heard that a lot from my grandmother, and I'm okay, I am a better man because of it. Um, at the same time, she, has a, she had a point even to this day, if you want to be friends, you have to be friendly. You have to pursue. You have to be willing to push yourself out. You have to be willing to go after friendships. I had a student this past spring who uh, it was a middle school student. He was super, super excited about a dance they were having at the, uh, at the end of the year. And he was like, I'm going to get a nice, you know, looking, some looking clothes on. I'm going to dance today. I'm going to have a, it's going to be awesome. I'm going to be awesome. He was super excited. And I was excited for him. Wednesday after the dance, he, he comes to, the, to SMT. A lot of times I have students who come early, which is completely fine because they, they think in the smack out there, this building is a safe place. And that's what the goal for us is that teenagers feel safe and enjoy being here. And so he, he came in and I go, hey, how was that dance? He's like, ugh. Hated it. I go, what, what happened? He's like, no one danced with me. And, okay. And? He's like, I stood in the corner all day. No one came up to me to dance. And? He's like, well, that's it. I just stood there. I'm like, you didn't ask anyone to dance. Well, no. Okay. You didn't go out and boogie down to like, get people to come dance with you. No, like, you think maybe you're the problem? I love you, but maybe that's the issue. And he's like, oh. I'm like yes, you've got to be a little vulnerable. You're at a dance. You have to go ask somebody. No one's going to walk up to you and say, hello, can we dance? That's not how that works, especially in middle school. And so you have to be willing to, be, to pursue those things. It's the same thing in life. Even here at church, we have to be able to pursue relationships. We have to be willing to. My wife, Jacqueline, and I, before I was a minister here on staff, we were congregation members. Uh, and the, the beauty about 
Polaris is that we got connected with Polaris when we were down in Canton. We went to Malone University, uh, and there was a church that's called River Tree, and River Tree planted Polaris Christian Church. Uh, we realized that, and one of the things when I started dating my wife, uh, I understood if we were going to ever be married, if this relationship was going to be you know, long-lasting, that church was a non-negotiable. We would be going to church together. Uh, and we understood that together. We just pursued a church for us to be a part of. And River Tree planted Polaris. So when we went to River Tree when we were in college, we'd go to Polaris when we were home. Uh, and the beauty of all that was that as we grew together, we grew as a, you know, this congregation, we kind of, this became our church home. And I loved it. But my wife didn't get connected magically. My wife pursued women to be in her life to do this journey. My wife pursued Bible studies to be with other women to pour into her as she became a wife and a mother. Well, I pursued a group of guys, and I just lost my microphone. That's great. Sorry. I pursue a group of guys on a softball team that I threw friendships at. I pursued them. My wife desperately pursued other ladies. Wasn't going to happen. Our lobby at Polaris was always great, always welcoming. We always felt like we were welcomed here, but we had to do the steps. We had to be the one to bring people into our lives. And we're better for that. We built friendships that last forever because of that. And then we took the next step. My wife and I, before I was a minister, became, we decided to serve together. We served the children's area together. And we grew closer as a couple, but we also found new friend groups to hang out with and to pour into and to become better people because of it. And they became a part of our church community. And I know for a fact that it happens in the children's area. It happens in SMT because our leaders in SMT are not just leaders, they're, they're friends. But we have to be willing to pursue it. The church was a t the early church was a tight-knit community, not because they were waiting around for someone to ask them to dance, because they pursued each other and had common goals and common grounds. And that's the beauty of the bond that happens when we start to pursue others is that we grow in this faith, that we are stronger for it, and our lives are so much better because of it. The other thing that Christian community does, it helps us when we face things. When we face sin, when we face bad choices, when we face heartbreak and 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 loneliness. We face these things and we have a built-in Christian community. We can face them stronger. Hebrews chapter 3, verse 12 says this. See to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you has a sinful, unbelievable, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God, but encourage one another daily as long as it's called today so that none of you may be hardened by the sin of deceitfulness. Encourage each other daily. Get together. Encourage one another. So when things go sideways, you're not by yourself. So when life is not going 100, you can find someone to be with. 
When sin is something that has a hold of your heart, you have someone to help you through it. When you are celebrating an arrival of a family member, a victory, when you're doing amazing things, you have people to be with you through it. Victory is sweet, but it's so much sweeter when you're with others cheering each other on. Encourage each other. And that doesn't, like I said, it doesn't stop. It needs to not stop here. Like, go, go out to the lobby and then go out to the world and encourage each other. Ecclesiastes 4.9 says this, Two are better than one because they have a good return on their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls has no one to help them up. Also, if one, two lie down together, they can keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? Though one may overpower, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not easily broken. And see what, what the author says here. He says, yes, two keeps each other warm. Great. Two can help each other up. Awesome. Two will not be overpowered. Amazing. But when God becomes a part of that, when it's Christ-centered relationship, it will not be broken. You will do things stronger. You will go on the other end better. Everything seems to work out in some way. Maybe not the way you thought, maybe not the way you hoped, but in some way, and you are stronger for because of the relationships you've built with each other and through Jesus. And to me, a part of starting that journey is being consistent. Consistently showing up. Make Sunday mornings a non-negotiable, something that you will fight for. Because here's a secret, no one else is going to fight for it. You have to fight for this. You have to say, this is a priority for my family. This is a priority for myself. This is a priority for my life. This is a priority to be a part of these things. Well, we, in, we had a, a student that would constantly show, we have students constantly showing up to us to be sweaty from all the, not just because they're teenagers, but sweaty because they come up from events and from band, and, and that's wonderful. We had a student years ago who was in the, uh, um, the Christian program for welding, uh, and he would make it to SMT covered in black soot, like covered, but he made it. And I have the honor of officiating his wedding this coming Saturday with another Polaris student, and I'm excited for that. But he, he made a purpose, and maybe it was for Sarah, but he made a purpose to be there. Make church a non-negotiable. Make being together worshiping a non-negotiable. Make having communion together something that is a part of who you are. Hebrews chapter 10 says this. Let us consider how we may spur one another towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in habit of doing, but encourage one another. The author Hebrews is begging you, don't give up getting together. Even if it means rolling out of bed after a long Saturday, don't give up. And when we do this, it builds the kingdom. When we do this, we build authentic relationships. And, and just like the early church in Acts 2, it reminds us that after pursuing, praising God and everything and 
with all the people together, the Lord added to their number daily. I believe that we are desperate for these kind of relationships. I think this world is desperate for us to have these relationships. We need others in this world to go through this battle. So I gave you all these reasons why this is good. So now what? What do you do with this information? I think the first is you have to truly dedicate your world to being here, to making sure being being a part of a family of believers is something that you are constantly trying to pursue. I think the second thing is why you are continuing to show up, reminding yourself that you're not meant to do this life alone. Once again, constantly finding reasons and excuses to be a part of a community. Like I said, make it a priority on Sundays. Your kids have a sleepover. Guess what the kids get to do the next day? They get to go to church. You just, you just get done screaming your lungs out with 105,000 people. Guess who's rolling out of bed to be a part of church? Even if you're a Michigan fan. <clears throat> Bickley's aren't here. I had like a really good dig for them, but they're not here anymore. Um, kids, practice? Great, okay. Show up. Figure out excuses to be here and then be intentional about pursuing relationships when this is over. This is, this is not meant to be a check mark. You're not meant to come to church on a Sunday morning and go, yep, done. That's not what church is about. That's what this, this community is about. It's about spending time. Spend a little time in the lobby together. Talk, laugh, and then pursue others when this is over. Invite someone to lunch today. Invite someone to go out to coffee. Spend time intentionally with each other and make sure your students, your your young kids are intentionally making community a thing. Even if you don't get along with everybody or even if you don't know anybody yet, the the worst thing you can do is say, well, we tried this for a couple weeks and no one, there's no traction yet. I guarantee you at some point there will be a connection, whether it be to a leader or to another student. I guarantee you at some point there will be a connection in this lobby somewhere in a built community. And then you need to serve. You need to find excuses to serve as a family. You need to find excuses to serve, your, serve this, this community in some way. If you have a spouse, find excuses to serve with your spouse. Because it will grow your, your relationship stronger and will f- find other new avenues and opportunities to start to grow relationships with other believers in Christ because you need that. And then lastly... Always find ways to bring Jesus into these faith relationships. Always find ways to be willing to talk, to grow your faith. Uh, Some of my most impactful conversations about my faith happened outside the walls of the church. Some of my most challenging parts of who I became as a man happened after a service, at at a table together with a friend. Some of the most impactful moments in my life happened because I pursued Christian friendship and fellowship. The beautiful thing about serving Jesus is that this journey 
has an amazing ending. When this is all said and done, we get to walk them into a place called heaven. John chapter 17 describes it kind of like this. He says, for, for you granted him authority over all people that he might give eternal life to all those you have given him. Now, this is eternal life, that, you, that they, they know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. The end goal is in mind. One of these days, heaven is in front of us. But heaven is not something you have to wait for. Heaven begins now. Heaven begins now when we surround ourselves with communi Christian community here on earth. Heaven begins now when you make an intentional decision to be with others. Heaven begins now when you make this faith journey a non-negotiable for your family. Heaven begins now when you have a bonfire with a bunch of people and you happen to talk about your faith. Heaven is not, not something we just wait for. It's the end goal. It's awesome. I can't wait. At the same time, I'm not here waiting. I don't want to live my life waiting I do enough waiting as it is. I'm not going to just wait for heaven. I want heaven to be here and now. And the only way that happens is with Christian community and being intentional about it. And so like many things we talk about either on the stage or somewhere else, whether it be SMT or back with the children, what are you going to do about it? What are your action steps? Is this going to feel good to walk out? Or are you going to take steps to be intentional, to build those amazing relationships that are life-changing. Don't wait for heaven. Let's pray. Father God, we are so thankful for your son. We are thankful that he came to this earth and he died, and one of the first things he did, he's like, I need a, I need a group of people to be with me. And God, as we desperately seek you in so many ways, let us not fall into the trap of just doing this faith journey by ourselves because that's a lonely way to go. But Lord, let us be intentional. Let us find, find people in this room, in this lobby, in this church family to just become deeper with so that these relationships that we hold onto are truly life-changing. Let's not stop pursuing those moments. Let's not just leave here and go away, but find excuses to be with each other. God, thank you for this day and for your son. God, we don't want to wait for heaven because heaven is here today with us through you and through this community. And we pray this in your name. Amen.